Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Amen. What an exciting... See, uh, trying to get you warmed up. I know it's a little chilly in here this morning, so trying to get you warmed up. Uh, I encourage you to sit close to the people next to you and uh, make sure you stay warm this morning. Uh, I'm not sure... Uh, what's going on with the heat, but we'll have it figured out by next Sunday. It's nice in here. Yeah, some people like it this way. But he's standing there with a jacket on. So, <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, this morning as we begin worship, I, I want you to think a little bit about uh, what's your dream? What's your dream? I mean, uh, if you were living the dream, what, what would it look like in your life? Um, some of you may have a dream that you're pursuing. Some of you may have had a dream and it just didn't turn out the way you thought it would. And some of you may not have dreamed ever in your life. <laughs> this morning, I hope you begin to dream. What, what would it look like if you were to live the dream? Uh, you know, there are times in our lives when circumstances changes our dreams. And our dreams become what we really want uh, because of a struggle or a trial kind of happens in this morning's passage. Uh, as Jesus begins, comes down off that mountain, uh, having been transfigured, uh, that high uh, with uh, God showing up, and, and not just God, but Moses and Elijah was there. It was an incredible time. Jesus was encouraged, uplifted. He was surrounded by those that love him and care for him and would, would give him strength to go all the way. And there were only a couple of disciples there. The rest of them were down the hill, and things weren't going so well down the hill. If you would look with me in chapter 17 of the book of Matthew, beginning with verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. For your many blessings, for helping us get up this morning and get out of bed and make our way to worship. Lord, many this morning who were not able to do that, you have blessed us in so many ways. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ who gather with us to worship you. And we pray your blessing upon them. And We ask, Lord, that you'd hear their prayer and touch their hearts. And Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that our lives might be open to you, 
that you might step in again and begin to open us up to new places, new ideas, new thoughts, thoughts that come from you, that we might be your people, your servants, your children. Lord Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work and that we would be aware of your Spirit in our lives. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me this morning. Lord, that your name might be praised. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Though I'm unworthy, Lord, I, I, I thank you for that grace we just sang about that allows me to serve you, allows us to serve you. Lord, we ask that you would receive the praise and the glory, not just this morning, but every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Live in the dream. <clears throat> um, just so you know, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. My understanding is that they made it to the World Series last night. Yes! Live in the dream. Now, if you're a Cubs fan like I am, you uh, will approach the World Series hesitantly living the dream. Because you, you understand that uh, the Cubs have come this far before, only to choke. So I, I'm praying that somehow in the midst of it, uh, they will live the dream. But, but you ever think about what, what it'll be like after they win the World Series? You win the World Series, you're on the top of the heap, and it's true of any, any uh, sports team, right? You win the Super Bowl, you win the World Series, you win the... Stanley Cup, and then what? And then what? Who, who? Now, if I were to ask you who won the Stanley Cup last year, you should remember that. It wasn't Detroit, exactly. Uh, <coughs> do you remember who won the Super Bowl five years ago? Do you remember who? Uh, you see, uh, the, <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, I'm going to talk to this side because this side's clearly out of control this morning. <laughs> always, always, yeah. And Kenny's not even here. <laughs> We're missing him this morning. Oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. If you're a visitor here with us, I apologize. <laughs> Now we we enjoy it. It's good to have fun in worship, isn't it? I mean, I mean, our God, He created fun. As a matter of fact, when I was on vacation, I heard a whole sermon about how we should have fun with God, and I, that's a great idea. We should have fun with God. So, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, living the dream, <laughs> living the dream. So, so the question is, what happens after you after you ascertain, even if you make all the things you've ever dreamed about, even if you get to the pinnacle, you, you win the most, the best, the highest. Maybe you get the highest spot. Maybe you become CEO of that company you worked for and you started at the bottom and worked your way. Then what? What if you become president of the United States? I'm sorry. Then what? Then what? Well, what's next? President Obama's trying to figure out what's he going to do next. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
yeah, what do you do after you've been president of the United States? It's got to be a step down somehow, doesn't it? What, what would it look like to live a dream that goes beyond your highest expectations? What would it be like to live a dream where every day is new and every day offers something different? What would it be like to really live the dream? I, I, I can't help but think about these disciples. You have to remember the disciples were, were these uh, lower uh, class people for the most part. Uh, they, they were not the highly educated people of their time. Uh, They had been passed over. In case you don't know, they had been passed over by all the other religious teachers. And so they were stuck doing their fishing stuff. But but if you really wanted to be something in those days, if you really wanted to be somebody, you had to be a part of some religious uh, uh, teacher's school and and in their class. I mean, those were the guys that were were really becoming somebody. They they were going to be rabbis or or priests. They they were going to be those who worked for God. And and they believed that that was the greatest thing you could do, was live for God. And these disciples had been passed over, and here they are fishing and uh, tax collecting and, and doing all these other jobs. And Jesus, this religious teacher who comes out of nowhere, comes by and calls them and says, I want you to follow me. In other words, I want you to be a part of my class. All of a sudden, there's somebody. They were nobodies. Now there's somebody. And they were excited because Jesus clearly saw himself as the Messiah. The premier, top-line, religious ruler of all time, prophesied from the Old Testament, from the covenant, and they were excited. Can you imagine? He picked you, you of all people, to be a part of his class, to show you his ways, to be a part of his upper echelon. As a matter of fact, in chapter 18, if you, if you get to chapter 18, and, and on Wednesday nights we're studying Matthew, and in chapter 18 the disciples start to argue about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom when Jesus ascends the throne. Hey, I, I want to be secretary of state. I want to be uh, vice uh, vice Messiah, I don't know how, how, how you set that up, but uh, I want to be uh, on the top end of the kingdom. They were somebody. They were finally important. It looked like they were going to go all the way. And then this guy shows up, and he's got a child, and the child has seizures. Now, they had seen Jesus heal person after person after person. They had watched him carefully. They they had paid close attention how exactly it was to be done. Now, my guess is there was probably, when the guy showed up, some some argument about exactly how it was supposed to be done. Because if you read the Gospels, you find out that every time Jesus heals somebody, he does it a different way. And I believe he does that on purpose because he wants you to know that, that it's not about magic. It's not about a certain form. And people get into that. You know, well, uh, if you really want to be healed of blindness, then you have to go outside, find the right mud, spit in it, and then put it on the guy's eyes. And, and if that doesn't work, then, then you, you have to, to do, you know, change it just a little bit and, and so they can really see. 
But Jesus makes it very clear. He always does it differently because it's not about the method. It's not about how you do it. And, and so here comes this guy and, and the disciples all of a sudden, they're, they're powerless. It's like they can't do anything. They watched him, they, and here, now they can't do it. And, and of course, this man is desperate. He wants to live the dream too. But his dream has been changed because he has a child who is incredibly sick. If you know, if you've ever experienced that, you know how that just transforms your life. And all of a sudden, the things you've always wanted get put on the, on the side because what you want more than anything is for your child to be whole. And this child, I would look at this child and say, well, obviously there's some physical thing going on here. He has seizures, the man says. And, and when he has the seizures, he falls into fires and into the water. We've got to watch him all the time. We've got to follow him around. We don't know when the seizures are going to come. And Jesus, and, and then he says, of course, and your disciples, Jesus. You sure you picked the right guys? Because you see, Jesus, your disciples, they, they couldn't do anything about it. They, they couldn't heal him. And my guess is the man began to wonder if Jesus could. If his disciples couldn't, could Jesus really do something? So he begs Jesus, have mercy on me. But notice, by the way, he says, have mercy on me. Not that he doesn't care for his son. But he realizes that this has taken from him almost life because he loves his child so much. They were powerless. They were almost there. They thought they were living the dream. And all of a sudden, this man might have been living the dream. And all of a sudden, his child is sick. You might have been living the dream. And all of a sudden, something steps in the way. How then do we live the dream? How then do we find a place where life becomes exciting, where life has purpose and direction, where finally we're able to say, yes, this is my dream, and I'm going to see it to the end? How do you really live the dream? Well, I think it's interesting in this passage that Jesus stops, and of course he shakes his head a little bit. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Sound familiar? I watch the news and I want to shake my head. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? You ever have your mom or dad say that to you? <laughs> how, long, how long am I going to put up with you? Now, when they say that to you, that doesn't mean that they want to kick you out. What they want is they want you to change, don't they? They're not saying that because they're really sick of you and they're, they're just tired. How long, how long is it going to take you to figure it out? They want to know. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying it to his disciples. He's saying it to the people who are standing there who have claimed to be his followers. How long is it going to take you to figure it out? Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus this morning asked you this question. How long is it going to take you to figure it out? And my answer is, Jesus, it's going to take me a lifetime. It's going to take me a lifetime. I praise God for the song that Mark wrote, by the way, that we've been singing, uh, trying to get you uh, into, 
into that song so you, you, you get to hear it. Um, and, and I love that, that line that continually reminds me that no matter how often I'm faithful, unfaithful I mean, how, however often I am unfaithful, He still covers me with His grace. That to me is incredible. I, I don't know about you, but uh, at, at least once every three years I'm unfaithful. At least. <laughs> I wish it were that good. Um, find myself struggling over and over again. But God, he always, he always comes. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. You know, uh, one of the things we forget is that the only way, the only way to truly live the dream, listen to me, is to first of all come to Jesus you see, if you don't come to Jesus, then what you'll find yourself is you'll be running around trying to live some life that has reason and purpose, and you'll have no reason or purpose behind it. And it'll work for a while, and things will go okay for a while, but you'll find yourself falling short. You'll run into circumstances like the disciples, or you'll run into circumstances like this father. And you're, you'll find out there's nothing you can do. And in those moments, I want you to know that you can't do it, but Jesus can. The disciples learned in this, or should have learned, I should say, and may have not figured it out till Jesus rose again from the dead, but they should have learned that they can't do it. That they need to bring the boy to Jesus. Now, if you've read this in other Gospels, you remember that Jesus says this kind only come out by prayer and fasting. But prayer and fasting is simply an opportunity to bring your concerns before the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who can actually do something about it. If you don't bring them, if you don't bring yourself, if you don't bring your trials and your struggles, if you don't bring them to Jesus, you will never live the dream. And it starts by opening your heart to Jesus for the first time and saying to him, listen, Jesus, I want to live a life that's worth something. I want to live a life where I stop hurting other people, where I stop hurting myself, where, where I, I don't have to carry around a ba bag of guilt anymore. Jesus, I want to come to you because Jesus is the one who can give you purpose and direction, can remove that weight of guilt and set you free so that you can actually live the dream. Do you understand? The first step is to get back into Jesus. Disciples, you can't do it yourself. You've got to go to Jesus. And the thing about going to Jesus is He is uh, always there filled with compassion. You know, even, even though Jesus kind of gives Him that little rebuke, He's still sees the Father, and he wants to have compassion, he or he has compassion, he wants to have mercy on this child. He is filled with compassion. He has compassion for us. It's kind of wild that he would have compassion for us when we continually turn our backs on him. Uh, Ron Gibbons and I, Ron and Connie, are off to Australia. We should pray for them too, by the way. Uh, and and um, we, we were with them uh, yesterday, and as we were, was it yesterday? No, day before. Friday and Saturday, but, but it was yesterday or day before we were talking, and, and we were talking about how, uh, you know, we want to serve Christ, and yet everyone, every time we do, we seem to goof it up somehow. 
And it's like, why does God keep putting up with us? Why do you choose us? Screw-ups. Not Ron so much. But why do you choose us? Because he has great compassion on us. And he knows what we can do when we come to him. And it's awesome stuff. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. You ever feel that way? Wandering around, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do next. You can't figure it out. Bah, bah. I'm all confused, Jesus. And Jesus says, he has compassion. Follow him. Make him your shepherd. And begin to find the way that he has for you. It's awesome when you come to Jesus. Because compassion is passion with a heart. Do you know that Jesus is passionate for you? He has passion for you. He's excited about what you can be. He has a dream for you to live. And it's an awesome dream. And it has an non, it's a non-ending dream. You ever wake up from a dream and say, man, I wish I could go back and that was a good dream. I, I want to finish that baby. You know, and so you lay there and you roll over and roll over and it just doesn't happen. You think, oh, darn, it was just so good. I, I wanted to see how it ended. What would it be like to be in that kind of dream and never have it end? You see, Jesus uh, has a dream for us. And that dream begins to transform us. And that's exactly what happens to this young boy. By the way, Jesus casts this evil out of the boy. And to me, this is pretty exciting. uh, Because when Jesus comes and shows up, he begins to cast out uh, these things that keep us from him. Now, sometimes that's hard for us, right? Because we're we're hanging on to some of those things. I mean, you know, I'm pretty good at some things. And I think I'm pretty hot at those things. And I want to hang on to those things. And Jesus says, humble yourself. <laughs> say, no, nah, come on, Jesus. I, I don't want to be humbled. <laughs> well, be careful. Because if you come to him and you're saying, I'm not going to be humbled, uh, you, you, you remember who you're coming to, correctly? Uh, who are you coming to? To whom are you coming, correctly? I, I, I was reading a, a letter from Kit Ripley um, this last month. Um, Kit's our missionary of the month, by the way. And uh, she was sharing how the king of Thailand died. Did anybody see that? King of Thailand died. Uh, and, and, the, and Thailand is grieving his loss because he was just a real um, benevolent king. And he really cared about his people. And, and there was a, a time not too many years ago when the democracy of Thailand was in, in great danger. And uh, the government was trying to crack down on some people who were protesting. And the king decided that that wasn't right. And so he opened his palace to the protesters to protect them. And then he called the prime minister, I think it's prime minister, the the leader, the uh, elected leader of Thailand in. And of course, when you go to see the king, something important happens. When you step into the presence of the king, um, you are required to kneel. And so the prime minister who had decided that the government should decide what people could say and what people couldn't say, the the prime minister who had decided that he had the power to, to set the agenda for Thailand all of a sudden gets called in by the king and finds himself on his knees. 
When you step into the presence of Jesus Christ, you're going to find yourself on your knees because He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And He will begin to deal with some things in your life that may be uncomfortable. But the good news is, is as you open your life to Him, He begins to shed those things away that you don't need because they're not part of the dream. And he begins to set you free, just like he did this boy. No longer burdened by the evil in his life, now set free. Set free to live a life filled with joy and excitement. Now don't don't be mistaken, this boy will face some struggles in the days ahead. But he no longer will find himself caught up by seizures and thrown into fire and into the lake. Obviously this, this... problem with this boy went beyond physical things. This was a spiritual thing. And Jesus wanted to get rid of the evil in his life and did so. And he wants to do the same for you. You see, when you come to Jesus, a whole lot of things begin to happen. When you come to Jesus, you begin to realize that he's King of kings and Lord of lords and that he has a dream for you that's beyond anything you could imagine. And that dream can transform you. If you really want to live the dream, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And I will change your life. I will transform you. I will help you live the dream. In Hebrews, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you remember we talked about that last week, all those people who by faith did all those things. He says, let us throw off everything that what hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You ever try to run with a skirt on? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, uh, I, I wear a robe for weddings. Um, and there have been times where I've had to run. You want to have a hard time, try to run in one of those robes that go down to your feet. I mean, it's darn near impossible. You have all you can do not to land on your face. And you can't run very fast because the faster you try to run, the more likely you're going to land on your face. And when Jesus comes into our lives, he begins to take all those things that would entangle us and keep us from enjoying and experiencing the fullness of the dream. He begins to take them away. The writer of Hebrews reminds us to throw those things off. Allow Jesus to take them that you might enjoy and experience the dream. Second of all, what I want you to see is with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that all things are possible? We always say that, right? Oh, I believe every. Yeah, with God, nothing is impossible. I believe that. Don't you believe that? I bet you if I had you raise your hands before we started, do you believe all things are possible? Almost every hand in here would have gone up. Yeah, I believe all things are possible. I think the disciples believed all things were possible. They saw all things happening. They believed all things were possible. So what happened? They couldn't do it. Why not? They they, they believed all things were possible. What was the problem? Well, part of it was they didn't bring the boy to Jesus, right? The other problem I think we have is that when we see the power of God at work, and we went uh, to Maine a couple weeks ago. Beautiful, incredible colors this year were outstanding, just amazing. I don't think I've ever seen them that vibrant. 
And it just seemed like all things were possible because God is an almighty God and can do anything. I think of Mary. Remember Mary when Jesus sent the angel to her, the messenger to her, to tell her she was going to be pregnant with the Lord Jesus and that it was going to be a, a virgin birth, that she, she was just going to find herself pregnant. And, and I, I don't know, if I were her, I think I'd be saying, what, are you nuts? I don't want any part of this. But, but somehow Mary, because of her faith, is willing to, by the way, she's willing to live the dream. She believes that all things are possible. What she simply says is, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word, be to, uh, to, your word to me be fulfilled. She simply says, yes, Lord, I'll do it because I want to live the dream. And you see, this is what happens. This is how all things become possible when you are willing to allow your dream to become Jesus' dream. You see, one of the problems, I think, with our prayers is we frequently pray what I want. Lord, I want this, and I want that, and I want the other thing. When I was a kid, I know I've told most of you this, but just in case there's someone here that this is time for reruns, right? Uh, if you haven't heard this before, but when I was a kid, we were always taught in, to pray in Jesus' name. You will almost always hear me pray in Jesus' name uh, because when I was a kid, that's the way I was taught. And, and it kind of stuck. But, but it almost stuck with me in this way. I almost believed that if I said those words, Jesus had to do it. Because the Scripture says, Jesus said, ask anything in my name. Okay, in Jesus' name, and it's got to happen, right? And the church I grew up in was very charismatic, and people believed that all things were possible, and I, as a little kid, didn't get it, so I was praying in Jesus' name everywhere. In Jesus' name, I pray that that little boy that keeps beating me up in the playground, that he gets his. In Jesus' name, uh, in Jesus' name, I really wanted that that uh, that toy, and I, I knew if I prayed in Jesus' name, it'd have to happen. So I'm praying in Jesus' name. Now, Jesus is a wonderful, compassionate person, and and there were times when he'd actually grant those requests, uh, not because he had to, and not because it was magical, but because he loved this little boy who didn't get it. When I got older, my prayers were not being answered. And I was praying in Jesus' name, and I was getting pretty frustrated and pretty angry. And Jesus, your word says that if I pray in your name, then you'll give it to me. And these are things I want, Jesus. <laughs> kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, who's in charge here? Uh, you, you ever have your children act that way sometimes? <laughs> Wait a minute, who's in charge? And all of a sudden, I began to realize that if I really wanted to see my prayers answered, then I needed to be open to what Jesus was doing. And that's what in Jesus' name really meant. To really seek what Jesus wants. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. You see, and as you begin to seek God's kingdom, as you begin to seek His dream, then all of a sudden, His dream becomes your dream, and you'll begin to see your prayers answered over and over again. Jesus, when He walked into the garden, what did He say? Father, not your will, but... Not, no. What did he say? Not my will, 
but your will be done. And that is the key to answered prayer, and that is the key to living the dream. When you make God's dream your dream, then you begin to truly live the dream. The problem is we want to live our dream. We want to live what we want. And when we do that, we miss God's blessing. What is it God wants for you? Not what do I want for me, what does God want for me? And it's interesting that Jesus is willing to submit to the Father's will because he knows in the end it will be what is best. He has a choice. God's will or my will? God's way or my way? Which way are you going to choose? Remember, always remember Jeremiah. For God says, I know the plans I have for you. Think about that. God knows plans for you. You've been making plans what you're going to do for the rest of the week. You've been thinking about it, maybe for this afternoon. How many of you know what you're going to have for lunch? You got it all figured out. You're all ready. I want you to know that those plans could change, right? But God has incredible plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans that are a dream you could never even have thought of. He wants you to live the dream. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. You ever try it? But you said you believed all things were possible. Have you ever said to the mountain, move? We go up to Maine, there were times when I was climbing the mountain, I wanted to say, move, I want to get to the top. The truth is, in this whole thing, is if you have faith the size of the mustard seed, what you're doing is you're seeking God's will and God's way. And if God wants it moved, it'll move. You just need to say the word. If God doesn't want it moved, you can jump up and down and say in Jesus' name however many times you want. It's not going to happen. Because God has a better dream, a better plan for you. you got to put your trust in Him. Take that faith and put it in Him and say, Jesus, I believe that all things are possible with you, and I want whatever you want for my life because I want to see what's best. I want to live the dream. Believe all things are possible. And then finally, we're almost out of time, but we really have to be honest and upfront about something. If you really want to live the dream that Jesus has for you, that means you're going to need to be willing to let go. And that means giving up on what you want and trusting in what He wants for you. That may mean, by the way, some sacrifice, doesn't it? Isn't that what that's about? When you give something up, isn't that sacrifice? I think of the disciples, the disciples who thought they were living the dream. They thought they had, they had it all. And Jesus sits down and he starts talking to them. He says, listen, the, the, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to have to suffer. And on the third day, I'll raise again. And did you read it? I, I mean, we were reading it together, but I, I hope you saw it. What was it it said? What was the last line we read? Anybody tell me, what was the last line we read? I know you're paying close attention. They were filled with grief. Thank you, Brian. They were filled with grief. Why were they filled with grief? Jesus just said he was going to rise again from the dead. That's exciting. That's incredible. Can you imagine that kind of dream? To believe that he could actually come out of the tomb alive? That that he could come and conquer death? 
in our lives. That's an incredible dream. But the disciples didn't want to hear it. All they could hear was that he was going to suffer and die. He wasn't going to be the Messiah they thought he was going to be. It wasn't going to be their dream. It was going to be his. And they had to decide whether they were going to let go of their dream and experience his, or whether they were going to try to hang on to their own dream, which, of course, they tried, and it all fell apart and collapsed. And he did. He died on the cross, just like he said. And they went away sad, and, and they went away not understanding. And they went away saying, how, all, how, is this, how could this be? We were supposed to do A, B, C, and D, and it didn't turn out that way. And then Jesus stepped out of the tomb. And they had a story to tell. And he had a bigger dream for them. And it excites me when, when I read in Acts how the disciples went from place to place and people were healed and lives were changed. People came to know Jesus. And, and as a result of that, they, they, they were able to overcome the, the struggles and the, the, the sickness and the ugliness in their lives. And they were able to put their trust in a bigger dream, a dream that would last forever. And that's what Jesus offers us. He offers us the opportunity to let go so that God can do something in our lives. So that we can actually live a dream that goes beyond anything we could imagine. Jesus said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, give up their own dream. Take up their cross daily and follow me. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But I got to tell you, it's a life-changing experience when you begin to let go of your own dreams. And allow Jesus to use your life to transform the lives of others. And know that eternity is just waiting for you. That's an incredible dream. Some people say the problem with Christians is they're all about pie in the sky when you die, by and by. I don't know if you ever heard that. That means they're so focused on eternity they miss what's happening here. And some Christians are that pl- in that place. But the problem is other people say, well, then just forget about that and deal with this. I can't do that. The dream is bigger than today. The dream is eternal. And it, it impacts today. And it transforms tomorrow. And it, it pushes me all the way into eternity. That's an incredible dream. What kind of dreams do you have? What is a dream for your life? What do you want it to be? Are you so focused on what the world says you should dream that you're missing what God has for you? God has a bigger dream. Maybe you're here for the first time and you, you've been dreaming about uh, maybe doing, taking a new job. Or, or maybe you thought if you moved to a new place, uh, people wouldn't know you and it'd all be okay. The problem is you take yourself and you'll know you. But I have a Jesus who will transform you. He's transformed me. And he'll give you a dream that's bigger than anything you ever imagined, and it can start today. But you have to say yes to him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your incredible love and for your grace that that comes to us and, and offers us a new life, a life with meaning and purpose, a life that goes beyond making money or or somehow getting notoriety. A life that's based in love and grace and changes not just us, but all those we meet. Lord Jesus, uh, we ask this morning that you would help us to let go of the dreams that we think are so important and begin to seek your dream for our lives.
we would ask this morning, Jesus, that, that you would give us courage to believe that you can do all things and that you want to do something new in us. That this week will be different than last week because you are directing our lives. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would come to you. We pray that you would come, we would come to you not just this morning, but every day. That we might truly live the dream. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.